Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, there are some parts of Scripture that are clear and straightforward. Uh, There are sections of the Bible that are nearly impossible to misunderstand. Uh, Let me give you some examples of what I mean. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God. Uh, The words of Jesus in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, There's no room in these words for confusion. Uh, These words are not unclear in any way. They're, They're pretty easy to comprehend. But there's other sections of Scripture that are exactly the opposite, right? Sometimes as you're doing your Bible reading, you get to something and it's challenging confusing, confounding, mysterious. Uh, It leaves you scratching your head, right? Uh, One of my favorite examples of of one of these kinds of scriptures uh, is Mark chapter 6. This is talking about Jesus. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. He meant to pass by them. So here's the disciples out on the water in a boat in a windstorm. And Jesus is walking on the water in proximity to them. And Mark tells us what? Jesus meant to pass by them. I don't know about you, but this is high on my list of things to ask Jesus when I have the opportunity. What were you doing that night trying to pass by the disciples on the water? Uh, Well, here we are in our sermon series on Romans. We've been making our way through the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 11, and this section of Romans fits in the latter category of Scripture. This section of Romans is not entirely clear and straightforward. It's tough. This is a challenging section of God's Word. Uh, The Apostle Paul here in Romans 11 is giving us a very complicated, a high-level, challenging conversation about the relationship between uh, Israel and the Gentiles. Uh, He's discussing all the features of this argument. He's talking about how God has made promises to his chosen people, Israel. But he's looking at those promises in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus. He's engaging this conversation about the Gentiles, a non-Jewish people, and he's talking about how these promises of God made to the Israelites uh, are not null and void now, But because of the Gentiles, because they've been grafted in, these promises are different. The game has changed. The circumstances have changed. Uh, This section of Romans, it's like a uh, graduate-level theological discussion. I'll just give you a little bit of it just to to give you a taste. We, We heard this in our Scripture reading. This is verse 30 through 32. For just as you, Gentiles were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they, Israel, too, have now been disobedient in order that 
by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. Anybody with me? I think if we're being honest, part of us wants to scratch our head here. This is a challenging argument. This is a high-level discussion. Uh, and, and what Paul is doing here is he's doing a lot of paradoxical things in this whole chapter. In this chapter, he talks about Israel as enemy to God and beloved of God. He talks about Israel as a, a, a branch that's been cut off and a living root, uh, as, as um, uh, hardened of heart and fully under the protection and promises of God's mercy. This is hard stuff. And we could. We could easily spend our time today in the sermon discussing this section of God's Word. We could unpack it, uh, seek to understand it in great clarity. In fact, that's what we've been doing in Bible study throughout the summer. Uh, We just spent an hour looking at Romans 11 discussing this. But what I want to look at in this sermon is the very last verses that Paul gives us in chapter 11. Just after this complex discussion, he he concludes it all. He wraps it all up by saying this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You see, this is a clear and straightforward truth. This one's not hard for us to understand. God is greater. It's that simple. What Paul is saying here is God is greater. No matter the depth of your riches, the depth of God's riches go even deeper. No matter how much wisdom you've gained throughout your life, the wisdom of God surpasses your wisdom. No matter how much you know, no matter how many degrees you have or credentials you have after your name, God knows more. The author and perfecter of all knowledge knows more than you and I. We don't need a PhD to understand this part of Romans chapter 11. The riches, the wisdom, and knowledge of God are greater than our riches, our wisdom, and our knowledge. You see, this this is not hard to get with our brains. Cognitively, this is not a difficult concept. It's clear and straightforward, but where it is hard is grasping this with our heart, with our soul, with our whole being, with our life. Uh, Living in this truth is a totally different story. It's easy to get with your brains, but getting it with our hearts and living in this, that's where it gets tough. Particularly, particularly when God doesn't make sense to us. In those moments in our life where, where God, his wisdom, his work, his plans, his knowledge, when it just doesn't make sense to you and to me, that's where living in this truth is really challenging. Uh, I know there has been a time in your life 
where your plans have not lined up perfectly with God's plans. At some point in your life, uh, your plans, your wisdom, your knowledge have not synced up perfectly with God's. This is true for all of us. Uh, Typically when this happens, we're thinking about the future, right? So probably at some point in your life, you've been thinking about the future, about maybe your career, uh, your job, or some future opportunity. Maybe it's thinking about your children and their future. Maybe this is thinking about your retirement. Maybe it's thinking about your financial future. Uh, Maybe it's thinking about your health or your relationships. Whatever it is, you, you look off into the future and you come up with a plan. A plan for how you think things should work out, how you want them to work out. Uh, You bring to bear your wisdom and your knowledge and you formulate. If this happens, then this will happen and then that would probably happen and this would happen and there we go. Uh, We could call it plan A. Plan A. We think it's the best plan, the most logical plan. And if you're anything like me, once you come up with plan A, your prayers begin to change a little. Suddenly, once you've come up with plan A, you begin to counsel God on why this is the best plan. Hey, God, I've thought it through. This makes sense. If this happens and then you do this and then that happens and you do that, I got it. It'll all work out perfectly. Plan A. We fall in love with it. And then God gives us something different, right? You have your plan A and boom, God puts some other plan in your path. And to you and to me, it looks a whole lot like plan B, right? It looks like a downgrade. I had this plan A all worked out using my wisdom and my knowledge. This was the best plan. And God says, here's the plan. And we look at it and we say, this is a downgrade. Somehow the plan's gone off the rails. It's it's gone into the ditch. There's a problem. But the truth is this. God does not give his people plan B. God doesn't come up with plan Bs. Our God is a plan A God. That's what Paul is talking about here in Romans 11. He's talking to the Israelites. He's talking to the Gentiles, and they're confused by what's the plan. They thought this was what the plan was, or what about that, or what about that? And Paul's counseling them. He's giving them these words of encouragement. Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Paul's telling him, God is greater. His wisdom, his knowledge, his riches, his plans are greater than yours. So what do we do in these moments? In these moments in, your, in our lives when uh, our plan doesn't match up with God's plan, what do we do? Three things coming out of Romans, three things that we can do when our plans don't line up with God's plans. Uh, First, yield to God. The first thing we can do when our plans and God's plans don't line up, we can yield to God. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was in driver's education when I was 16, uh, yield was kind of a difficult concept. Uh, I've since figured it out, thankfully, Uh, But stop and go were pretty easy, right? Yield was a different deal. Uh, Stop was easy. Stop sign, red light, don't go forward. 
Go, that's pretty easy, right? Go forward. Yield, it's not stop and it's not go, right? Yield is different. Yield is stop and let the oncoming traffic go on ahead of you and then go. You yield to the person with the right of way. Uh, In these times in our life, when God's plans and our plans don't line up, there are three things we can do. We can stop, we can go, or we can yield. Uh, You can stop. You can be paralyzed in fear. Paralyzed in the, the reality that here is my plan, here's your plan, God, I'm not going anywhere. Paralyzed in worry, doubt, fear, anxiety, whatever it is, you can dig your heels in and say, I ain't going nowhere. Or you can go. You can go on ahead, and this sounds like a good option, but it's not. Because based on your plan and your wisdom and your knowledge, you just keep pressing on. I'm going this way, God, regardless of your wisdom, regardless of your plan. Or, or we can yield to God. We can let God lead us forward leading us in his truth, leading us in his peace, leading us in his power, leading us in his mercy, yielding to his plan, following him. That's what Paul tells us. He's inviting us to yield to God with these words. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. A life that is yielded to God. Uh, Next, the second thing we can do in these situations, pray Listen and learn. We can pray, listen, and learn. Uh, Did you hear what Paul said? Romans 11. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? We are not called to be God's counselor or advisor. Truth be told, God doesn't need a counselor. God doesn't need an advisor. The reality is, we do. We need guidance. We need advising. So the first thing we do when our wisdom doesn't line up with God's, we pray, seeking his wisdom and counsel. And we listen and we learn, listening to what God is speaking in his word, in scripture. And we learn from someone who knows more than we do. And finally, the last thing, the most important thing, trust in Jesus Trust in Jesus because in Christ Jesus, we have the greatest example, the greatest experience of how God's wisdom and knowledge and ways are not the same as ours because God saw his creation uh, marred by sin, death and decay coming into it. And how did God respond? The most unimaginable way, the most mysterious way, creator entering creation, getting his hands dirty, in the brokenness of our world. Uh, He did this, uh, taking on flesh and blood in Christ Jesus, the most mysterious way you could imagine, Uh, coming in king of creation, but how? Not into a kingdom, not into a throne, not into Herod's palace, but in Bethlehem, in a barn. Solving the problem of sin and death and suffering, how? By taking on sin and death and suffering on the cross, Dying and rising, all of this, the whole life of Jesus shows that our wisdom, our knowledge, our plans are nothing compared to the greater wisdom and knowledge and plans of God. And Jesus himself, he invites you 
to build your plans on him. Now, this is Matthew 7. We heard this in our gospel reading. The words of Jesus. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. I don't know how your plans are are not aligning perfectly with God's plans, but I'd imagine there's some part of your life where that's not happening. And in that moment, in that, that experience, we yield to God. We know that his plans are greater. We pray for his counsel and guidance. We learn from him in scripture. And above all else, we trust in Jesus, knowing that if our plans are on him, if our wisdom is founded on him, if our knowledge is founded on him, it's built on a rock. This is most certainly true. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.